the difference between a want and a need. Israel, as we look at the prophet Isaiah, has made this decision that they were going to pair up or partner and form this alliance with Syria because of the oppression. And what happens when they do that is they find the stranglehold of Assyria is more than they had imagined. And they have Assyria hovering over them, demanding and commanding everything from them. And they want so badly to be out from underneath this oppression and out from underneath this burden. And Isaiah, we talked about last week, has warned them. And he's saying, don't do this. Don't enter into this alliance. If you enter into this alliance, here's what's going to happen. And yet, Ahaz, king of Judah, makes this decision to form an alliance with Assyria. And what happens is they find themselves basically as slaves again to another nation. And it's these words that Isaiah speaks to a people who find themselves in darkness. And for people who find themselves under the oppression of this government... I want you to listen to these words again that the prophet Isaiah speaks. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. You see, for Israel, for Judah, what they think they want is freedom from their oppressors. They want freedom from Assyria. And what they think they need is freedom from their oppressors. It's freedom from Assyria. It's interesting. They make the assumption that their wants and their needs are the same thing. And Isaiah speaks to these people and said, there's going to be a new king who's going to come, and he's going to sit on the throne of David, and of his government, it's going to bring peace, an increase of peace. See, this sounds like good news, but unfortunately for the people, it sounds like good news for tomorrow. And when you find yourself in darkness, you don't want good news tomorrow. You want good news today. You don't want God to show up tomorrow in your future. You want God to show up right now. You don't want to look for a hope years from now. You want to look for hope today. 
and they make this assumption that what they want and what they need are the same thing. That's great that a child is going to be born. That's going to be great that a son is given. But we need help right now. We need help today. We need someone to step into our world here and now and save us. Because at the end of our day, it seems like Assyria is still on top. At the end of our day, it seems like we still live in darkness. At the end of our day, it seems like sin and death still win. At at the end of our day, it seems like violence and oppression get the last word. In our day, it seems like cancer gets the last word. In our day, it seems like school violence gets the last word. In our day, it seems like the political system gets the last word. And we don't necessarily want to look for hope someday off in the future. We want hope right now in our world and in our time. See, it's great that a child is going to be born. But we want God to show up here and now. We want God to come into our life and enter into where we are because we need hope today for the Jewish people they find themselves again in much of the same situation the name of the ruling power has just changed Because now it's not Assyria. Now it's Rome. You see, it used to be Egypt. And it's been Assyria. And it's been Babylon. Now it's Rome. Now it seems like Rome gets the last word. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room, no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy 
for all people. Today, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. You see, the good news that the people were waiting for finally arrived because God showed up. You see, here's the deal. For centuries, God had been showing up. And Israel and Judah was so consumed by the darkness around them and so consumed by everything else that they saw that they continually missed it. That God was there, but he was not there in the way they expected him to be. And when he comes now, it was not the way they expected him to come. It wasn't how they wanted him to show up. They wanted a king to come. And with power and might to rule the nations. They wanted a king to come and dethrone Rome. They wanted a king to come and knock Assyria off the block. They wanted a king to come and rescue them from Egypt. They wanted a king to come in power and strength and might. And God showed up, but he did not show up as they expected. He showed up as a baby. He showed up as flesh and blood, as a little, innocent, vulnerable child. And he did not come with power and strength and kill his enemy. He came and prayed for them. He did not come and seek revenge. He came and forgave. He did not show up the way they expected him to show up in their life. And their expectation of what they needed was based on their perception of the problem. Their expectation of what they needed was based on their perception of the problem. See, here's the problem. We have big bad Assyria over here, and we have big bad Babylon over here, and we have Rome over here, And what we perceive the problem is, is them. And God, if you will come and fix them, then we will be okay. God, if you will come and rescue us, then they won't bother us. God, if you will show up the way we expect you to show up today, then we're going to be okay. And yet God does not show up the way they expected him to come. He shows up as a tiny baby, wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. He comes 
in this vulnerable state where he's not able to meet the demands of their expectation. Because their expectation was that God would come and fix the problem. And the problem was them. But understand that this is a bigger story than just simply a nation being controlled by another nation. See, the problem wasn't outside of them. The problem was them. The problem was always them. The the problem was always their inability to trust God. Their problem was always their inability to trust that God's plan and God's purposes were superior to their perception of the problems they had. And so God, if you will just show up the way we expect you to, God, if you will just come as a king and reign on the throne, then we'll be okay. But God sees past what they want and sees what they need. They they don't just need someone to rescue them from the oppression of Assyria. They don't just need someone to rescue them from the oppression of Rome. They need someone to rescue them from the oppression of sin and death in their life because it's that that is controlling them. They need someone to step in and say, hey, there is a better way to live. Come and follow me. There is a better way to find life than just hoping we're set free from the oppressors over us. There is a better way to live life. There's a better way to find life than hoping God just shows up and takes care of them. The better way is hoping that God will show up and take care of you. And he'll invite you into a life that is freeing, a life that is abundant, to drink from his fountain. But the amazing thing about the way God continually shows up to work is not through magic. He doesn't just show up in the scene and magically make things happen. He does that occasionally. But more often than not, he works through multiplication. If God were an artist, we would simply say his favorite medium is multiplication. When he creates the world, he doesn't create trees and then create more trees. He creates trees that can reproduce themselves. When he creates people, he doesn't create people and just make more people. He creates people that can make more of themselves. When Jesus calls people to follow him and be his disciples, he doesn't just continually call and call and call. He creates these disciples and says, you are going to go out and call people to follow me. God continually works through multiplication. And one of the most amazing things, the words that they would have heard as Isaiah spoke to them, was the increase of his government. Because the increase of his government 
comes through the people that he has empowered and given new life to. And he invites you to follow. See, God's got a gift for you today. He's got a gift that was wrapped and placed in a manger. His son. And he invites you to receive the gift and to allow it to open up an entirely different way of life for you. A way where it's no longer about you, but it's about his world. And as God begins to work in you, God wanting to use you in this world for his purposes. But before God can work in the world through you, he must work in you to work the world out of you. He must come and give you life. And so he's going to teach you a new way to live. And he's going to say things like, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, God wants to do this new work in you. And as we've said throughout this entire series, God's hope is not to make you good. God's hope is to make you new. To recreate you from the inside out. And so he's got work to do. He's got work to do in you and I. And that work comes through this incredible gift of a child he sends to this earth to show you, to show me how to live in this world. And how to live in this world in a way that brings abundant, eternal life. And our hope, our hope for today is not just that Christ will come again, but our hope is Christ has come. And we celebrate that birth. And we live our life in anticipation that he will come again. And as we wait, God is at work among us. God is with us. Emmanuel. God with us. And so today, God has this incredible gift to give you. 
It's new life through his son, Jesus Christ. If you've never given your life to him, we simply offer you the invitation to come to him, receive him, and enter into new life through him. If we could pray for you in any way, if we could help you by entering into that new life through baptism, we would love to do that, whatever we can do. So come while we stand and sing.